This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Adam today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash Adam. Welcome back to the Adam Schefter podcast as we get ready for the conference championship games to see which two teams will advance to Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas coming up right ahead. And also, it's on a collision course with the NFL coaching searches. And as we record this early Tuesday morning, there currently are five openings Three have been filled. Gerard Mayo gets the head job in New England. Antonio Pierce gets the head job in Las Vegas. And Monday night, Brian Callahan, the Bengals offensive coordinator, who we'll be talking more about on this podcast, gets the head coaching job with the Tennessee Titans. And we'll be joined on this podcast by the former 49ers great quarterback, pro football Hall of Famer, three-time Super Bowl champion, two-time NFL MVP, which might be what Lamar Jackson soon is, before San Francisco plays in its third consecutive NFC Championship game on Sunday against the Detroit Lions. We'll be joined by the Hall of Famer, my friend, Steve Young. But before we get to Steve Young, we're going to be joined today by my other friend, the host of the Fancy Focus podcast, Daniel Dopp, who also, as his side job, is the quarterback of this week's six-pack. All right, Adam Schefter, we've had a lot of backup quarterbacks in today's NFL be able to do some things, hoping to continue to hold that down here while we do the six-pack in January. Adam, topic number one. I want to start at the top, if you don't mind. Let's talk about Patrick Mahomes. Oh, my God. We- we just watched him two games ago play in the fourth coldest game ever in the history of the NFL. And then he goes into Buffalo, taking on Josh Allen. No interceptions, two touchdowns. As much as maybe people are tired of hearing about it, I don't know that people realize that Patrick Mahomes might be the greatest quarterback that we have seen. I mean, it feels like he's at, at least on a short list with a few of the guys. How great is this dude? Well, let's start with the fact, Daniel that he started for six seasons and the Chiefs have gone to the conference championship game in all six seasons. Has any quarterback ever done that in his first six seasons out of the box? I know Tom Brady was great. I don't know the exact math, but just think about that. Six seasons, six conference championship games. And again, we bring up Brady, right? What's the most touchdowns that a quarterback receiver duo ever has had In the postseason, well, before Patrick Mahomes came along, Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski connected on 15, 15 postseason touchdowns, which was three more than Joe Montana and Jerry Rice. And that was five more than the 10 that Brett Favre and Antonio Freeman had. Do you know how many Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey have had? I would assume more than that number, Adam. 16, one more, and they're still going strong. So they (laughs) hold the record for the most touchdowns by a quarterback-receiver duo. And it almost is like Mahomes just rises up every single week, does something different. And on Sunday, I saw Aaron Dolan talking about 
Patrick Mahomes is an underdog during her weekly betting segment on postseason NFL countdown. Do you do you realize that Patrick Mahomes is now eight and three outright and nine one and one against the spread as an underdog? Nine one and one. That's pretty good, Daniel. He's an underdog again in Baltimore. You're betting against Patrick Mahomes again this week. Now I will say this: Ooh. Baltimore runs the ball. And yeah. the Chiefs gave up a lot of rushing yards against the Buffalo Bills. So the one thing that Buffalo, one thing that Baltimore can do, is run the football, keep Patrick Mahomes off the field, mm-hmm. and that would be, in my mind, the way that they could win this game. The Bills ran it 39 times for 182 yards against Kansas City on Sunday night. The Ravens are going to look to do more against. The guy that is an automatic for the conference championship game every year. That is going to be a fun one. Huge matchup with the Ravens and how good that team is playing. By the way, and I'm just going to say this, we can move on. Patrick Mahomes, with the way that that Chiefs team struggled with drops this year, the fact that they've been able to continue to fight through, play through, this is what you have a leader for at the quarterback position. As good as it gets at QB. All right. Topic number two, Adam Schefter. I feel like my Detroit Lions are making the rest of the NFL wait. You tell me if I'm wrong, but I got a couple of offensive and defensive coordinators that I think are up for some coaching gigs, Adam. But because they're still coaching right now, is that slowing down the whole like NFL coaching cycle because of all of this? Well, I, I really thought it was paralyzing the coaching cycle. And then the Tennessee Titans hired Brian Callahan. But when you look at it, Ben Johnson, who many regard as the guy that is the most desirable coordinator candidate, is still coaching and cannot be interviewed right now and cannot be hired until after the Lions season ends. Aaron Glenn, the Lions defensive coordinator, is out there. The Ravens offensive coordinator, Todd Monken, their defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald, their assistant head coach, Anthony Weaver, the 49ers defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes. Like There are a lot of coaching candidates still in this postseason run. And I know as we record this, that there are five openings, five. You could just start to do the math at who's going to go where, right? Like of those five, I would say Jim Harbaugh gets one. I would say, I think this year, Raheem Morris is going to get one. The Rams defensive coordinator. Yeah. We're down to three openings. I think Ben Johnson will get one. There are two more. And we'll see whether that's, I don't know, Bobby Slowick or Aaron Glenn or Anthony. We, we'll see. But the fact that these coaches, there's so many of interest in these conference championship games, I think that slows it down some. Again, the Titans went ahead and hired Brian Callahan from the Bengals, which I didn't think was going to happen on Monday, but it did. And that slowed things down. Or that that sped things up a little bit, but it's still to me a very slow cycle. The league wanted to slow this down and mandated that in-person interviews could not occur until after the divisional playoff round this past weekend. The league wanted teams to take a longer look at all candidates, especially minority candidates, and the league got exactly what it wanted with what I believe is and has been and will be the single slowest hiring coaching cycle that we've ever seen. This is how the league wants it, and this is the way it's going to be moving forward. 
Okay, then I'm going to move this along to topic number three, because my next question is about one of those candidates. Where are we at with Bill Belichick? I feel like everyone's wondering, is he going to end up in Atlanta? That's what I keep hearing, the rumors. Is there another destination maybe in mind for Bill if Atlanta isn't the one? Where are we at, Adam? Well, Daniel, here's what I would say so far. The only known interview that he's done, and he's done it twice, is with the Atlanta Falcons. That's the only team that has publicly acknowledged and admitted that it has met with Bill Belichick. And I go back to the time when Tom Brady was a free agent. And when Tom Brady was an unrestricted free agent leaving New England, there were teams that were worried about his age, his declining performance, the fact that he would bring in his team of TB12 supporters. It, it really reminds me a little bit of Bill Belichick, a coaching version. Well, he's a little older. Oh, his performance wasn't what it was in recent years. Up, oh, he's going to want things done his way. He's going to bring in his people. It's really very similar. Mm-hmm. And back when Tom Brady was a free agent, there were two. Only two teams interested in signing him, which is amazing to think about. The Los Angeles Chargers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Other teams might have like inquired or checked in, but barely if they did. And those were really the only two options to Tom Brady. He signed with Tampa, and lo and behold, they won a Super Bowl. Bill Belichick has interviewed with one team so far. There were eight that had openings, one of which moved on from him. So really seven other potential options, not to mention the fact that all the other teams that had a coach could have said, okay, would we rather have Bill Belichick or our current guy? And nobody is saying that Bill Belichick is the guy that we want to hire. So he's talked with Atlanta twice. Yep. And here's what I think happens. The owner, Arthur Blank, who once got turned down by Nick Saban and once got turned down by... Bill Parcells, who once got turned down by Joe Gibbs. He loves a big swing. Yeah. But there are other voices and there are other people. And do they want Bill Belichick the same way that Arthur Blank does? Probably not, because it necessitates a lot of changes. And so it's amazing to me that there aren't more people interested. And as I was doing the Pat McAfee show on Monday, we were talking about Bill Belichick. Someone in the league texted me. They said, There was more interest in Deshaun Watson than Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, and Lamar Jackson. That's insane. And again, he brings up, I brought up Brady. This texter brought up Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson at this time. We had a similar conversation last year. Why are there more teams not going after Lamar? And here he is in the conference championship games. And it's a situation where nobody much made a run at him. We had John Harbaugh on the podcast last week. So just because teams don't make runs doesn't mean it's the right move. Mm -hmm. Nobody much went after Brady. Nobody much went after Lamar Jackson. And nobody much seems to be going after Bill Belichick, which to me is a mistake, but every team gets to do what they want. Yep. All right. Sometimes I just don't understand the NFL, Adam, but that's why I'm on this side and those guys are making the big bucks. I think that's what it's all about. Topic number four. Let's talk about, you mentioned, we're still in the head coaching cycle. Brian Callahan, former quarterbacks coach for my Detroit Lions. You mentioned also the offensive coordinator, former offensive coordinator for the Cincinnati Bengals. Why is he the guy in Tennessee? Did they just not want to wait for the coaching cycle and some of these guys to come available? Or was there something about Brian that they pinpointed, wanted to make sure was a part of their coaching staff? Well, I I think a few things here. First of all, he's young. He's on the offensive side of the football, and those are two big advantages. But I think beyond that, you think of this. The great, great 
NFL assistant coach who's with the Cleveland Browns, who used to be the head coach of the Raiders, Bill Callahan. That's his dad. Mm-hmm. He grew up around a professor of football and then went in his own right to work with some of the great minds in the game. He coached, coached under John Fox, Gary Kubiak, Jim Cobwell, John Gruden, Zach Taylor. He worked with quarterbacks like Peyton Manning, Matthew Stafford, Derek Carr, Joe Burrow. And when I spoke to somebody in Cincinnati, as this was all transpiring on Monday afternoon, I'm like, is he ready? And they said, absolutely. He is ready. He's been waiting for this. And Tennessee got somebody that was going to be young, offensive-minded, and collaborative, which is the reason that I believe the organization wound up moving on from Mike Vrabel. They want somebody that's working with the general manager, Rand Carthon. They believe Brian Callahan will do that. And thus, we have the third of the eight hirings during this NFL head coaching cycle, Brian Callahan to the Tennessee Titans. Well, this is going to be very exciting to be able to figure out how the rest of this coaching uh, search ends. And I'm excited to see what Callahan does in Tennessee. It's going to be a fresh start for those Titans fans. Topic number five, though, Adam Schefter. I want to talk about the divisional rounds of the playoffs. We just came out of them. My Detroit Lions are going to take on the San Francisco 49ers in the NFC Championship game. But I got to tell you, I watched Baker Mayfield put up a pretty fantastic game, a guy that I think has solidified a really nice free agency ahead of him. I I like what Baker is going to be next year, but he's not the only player that I thought played really well in the divisional round of the playoffs. Is there anybody that you thought shined last week? Well, here's something. I was watching the game on Saturday, just like I was watching the first week in the wildcard games, and I kept seeing over and over number 48 on the Houston Texans Christian Harris and I was like so good I was like oh my god this guy is in on every single play I like and I've I've heard his name but I'm like I'm like who is this guy like I I gotta look him up like oh third round draft pick 2022 went to Alabama played high school football in Baton Rouge at UHI like I didn't realize that Christian Harris is a stud, mm-hmm. a total stud. And so in back-to-back years, uh, or not back-to-back, but close years, you get Christian Harris from Alabama, you get Will Anderson from Alabama, and you now have the foundation of a defense that will be great in Houston, just like you've got the quarterback in C.J. Stroud, who will be great in Houston. That team's trajectory is pointing way up, way yep. up. And Christian Harris just caught my attention. Again, I I knew he was pretty good, but I didn't realize he was that good. He was in on every single play, making tackles all very impressive. And very rarely do you put on a game, you're like, who's this guy like doing all this? And that's what happened for me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was all over the place. We saw him same thing in wild card round. D'Amico Ryans had a really big conversation with him about stepping in front of one of those Joe Flacco passes that he ended up picking off. It was a really cool moment. Go find that video on Twitter if you have not seen it. All right, last one. Topic number six, Adam Schefter. What are you most looking forward to in the conference championship round other than a Detroit Lions victory over the San Francisco 49ers? What are you most looking forward to? Yeah, you know, Dan, you know what I used to do when I was a newspaper writer? I always the weekend of the conference championship games would come up with the potential Super Bowl matchups and the storylines that would exist 
for each one. Now, I know you're rooting for your Detroit Lions to make it. Of course. But really, there, there are four combinations of Super Bowls here, right? We could get potentially the Lions versus the Baltimore Ravens. That would be a rematch of the regular season game in Baltimore that mm. did not go well for your team where Baltimore mm. completely obliterated the Lions. I couldn't believe how bad your team looked and how good Baltimore looked. And Baltimore this year's dominated teams. We could get the Lions versus the Chiefs, which would be a fitting way to end the season, being that that's the way we started the season. Yeah. The opening game on Thursday night was Detroit going into Kansas City, winning the game, playing great. And that was the night I think we knew that the Lions were different. This was going to be a different Lions team, and they've come out and proved it this year with one of the most memorable seasons in their franchise's history, certainly the most memorable season during your lifetime, I would Absolutely. argue. Yes. Right? Yep. We could get we could get the 49ers versus the Chiefs, which would be a rematch of the Super Bowl that occurred right before the pandemic in 2020 when Tyree Kill beat the 49ers deep on a play in which the 49ers during practice on Friday went over that specific play. Wasp. Wasp. And he still beat them on that particular play to which I remember hearing people telling me that D'Amico Ryans, then the 49ers defensive coordinator, was walking around the 49ers locker room completely bewildered, befuddled, and completely perplexed that they could go over something as often as they did and still have the Chiefs execute and beat them on the Wasp play in the fourth quarter before the pandemic hit. And then, of course, the other Super Bowl matchup would be the 49ers versus the Ravens, which would be a rematch of the Monday night game that we saw on Christmas night where Baltimore dominated Again? the 49ers the same way they dominated the Lions. <laughs> now, I will say this. For the record, if that's the Super Bowl we get, I do think it will be a different matchup. I do mm -hmm. think that we would see a more competitive game. I do think the 49ers would be better prepared. But I can tell you that night, the Ravens defenders thought that Brock Purdy played scared. They thought he played scared, and he did look scared that night. So those are the potential Super Bowl matchups, the four permutations of the two conference championship games that we have this weekend, and we'll see which one comes about after this weekend's games. All right, let's go back to the podcast, and let's go back to our guest this week. We are joined by my friend who truly, Daniel, in all my time at ESPN, is one of my favorite people that I've ever worked with. He has been unbelievable. He's been fantastic. He approaches the world in a different way and is so thoughtful about everything that he does, not to mention the fact that he's one of the greatest quarterbacks who ever played the game, a pro football Hall of Fame quarterback, a two-time MVP, a three-time Super Bowl champion, and one of the great guys that I know, the former 49ers quarterback, Steve Young. Look who it is. What's up, big timer? <laughs> what do you mean? Look who it is, my man. Oh, I miss you. I was just going to say, I miss you. I miss you, truly. There is nobody that I enjoyed having as my teammate anymore on the road the last few years than you, my friend. Yeah, it was, uh, we, peas and carrots, you and I, buddy. Peas and carrots, so it was the best, the best. How you doing? What's keeping you busy? Uh, you know... I, you know, I've, I've been, I, as you know, I had to 
started a firm financial firm 20 years ago so i still do that of course but uh, yep. it's just the kids it's, it's my my two girls in high school i'm telling you it's like there's girls basketball there's dance recitals there's and i just try to relish every little thing because i'm going to be an empty nester and i hate it i don't hate the thought of it so it's just i want to be i'm on it you know and uh uh, 15 rebounds the other day and uh she comes really they both, you know they both played uh you might have seen it they both, both played girls flag football in california first year they ever allowed it in high school it's actual a varsity sport that you can go and get a scholarship in college in so it's super cool that kid girls are playing uh but it's super cool for me because someone in my family my boys didn't play football they didn't really care about it a music theater major and a gamer and a, these boys and i love them for it. they taught me how to teach you know raise someone who's not myself and i was it's been awesome but to have my girls now want to go to the game the other night hey dad you know we want to go to the game and and my other girls that played this fall they're they, they wanted what and they ask me questions and how does that how does that work and why you know fair catch can you change your mind you know just funny cool questions that are coming out that that are like i don't know for me it's like back to the future right and so uh i've been loving this last few months with my girls now in love and it was funny they loved the idea of playing football so they went out for a flag football but then both of them at different times during the season and and this was universal really amongst the girls this is my favorite sport this is the fight and, and that's the thing that football has that uh, why it's america's sport right is it is so much fun to play and so the girls love it and they just want to know more about it and uh, so anyway, I talked about that too long, but it's it's a it's a fun time in the young household. And I get football. Football's on the main TV now. It's not on my <laughs> phone while I'm cooking breakfast. It's like it's like I get the main TV for the first time in 20 years. I'm going to tell you something funny once you answer this question. But when you took your girls to the game the other night, do they understand who you were and what you did and all of that, Steve, or they don't? really know yeah, they they do in a way that you can only do it by not experiencing it right like they've they've witnessed it they watch it you know when they were little they we'd gone to be downtown and then and my, my someone would say dad how do you know everybody you know how do you like you know everyone <laughs> and you know it's like so it's it's you know they definitely understand that something's gone on but because they didn't see it it's always a little bit disassociated. They can look it on YouTube or they can figure it out, you know, kind of ESPN classic, you know, that kind of a thing. But uh, but they get it. And I think that they appreciate and I think they're they're unafraid of that association. They're like my my daughter wears eight, you know, uh, uh, so I think it's that, that 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 is fun part of it, that they feel such a kinship to it. But certainly. It was a different, it was a different part of my life. You know, they came afterwards. And so, but yeah, they go to the game. They get it. I think that, I think they get it. I probably, you know what? Could you call them and find out if they get it? Cause I'm actually not perfectly sure. You know, you, what you were saying when you were saying that this past weekend, I actually watched the NFL games with my daughter, my 15 year old daughter. She wanted to watch and my son wanted to come and watch. And so on Sunday, I'm watching with the two kids, which I don't think has ever happened for an NFL oh, game. And my wife had no choice but to come into the room yeah. and try to understand because now we're eating dinner, we're watching the game, we're all sitting in, in the den watching the game. She does. So I'm trying to explain to her first and 10, second and four. You're trying to get a first. Wait, wait, wait. Hold it. So it starts over. Yeah, it starts over. Oh, you know when I baffled them is when a, something came up on a safety. 
They're like, <laughs> what? 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 <laughs> no, that's why. That's when it's really fun because there's just stuff that you hadn't really thought to tell them before, and now you got to explain it. Oh, my, my daughter's always going now. Why aren't they going for it? I'm like, Dylan, they're at their own 30 yard line. There's 70 yards to go. They can't go for it. It's not a good decision to go. And she just thinks she should just go every time. I guess she's partly of the function of this analytics model that the, all the coaches yeah. have. Well, my wife, my wife, Barb, who I fell in love with probably a lot. Some of it was because she didn't like football, which was super cool to me. And so th- there's years that we've watched the game whenever she does watch. She goes, why do they run it? Right. The front of them. It never works. It never works. And then the other the other night, she was because I was down at the game with the girls. She I ended up watching it, and Christian McCaffrey remember broke for the early touchdown about forty yards, and she wrote a thing. It finally worked. That's that's amazing. <laughs> Running up the middle finally worked to her mind. It's like it's never worked in the history of the game, and now she's watching the game. And it's like it finally worked. Running up the middle. <laughs> so, with your girls' interest in football. Can we now lure over your sons and make them any more interested? Or it's you know what there? my boy, my oldest boy, Braden, is twenty three, just graduated from Manhattan School of Music as a music theater major. He's grinding wow. it out trying to get on stage in Broadway. He's super talented. Uh, wow, six five can sing and can act and wow, you know, a mover they call it. I mean, he's really been the lead in all these plays. He's really super talented, and it's interesting as time has gone on, it's it's dawned on him. As he's called me before uh, he starts, you know, he was the lead of the play in school. And we got talking about the pressure of performance. And all of a sudden, it's dawned on him, my dad and I do the same thing. And that has brought, so the other day, he was, he went to the, uh-huh. he, he went down, uh, I helped, you know, I was the honorary captain for the game the other night uh, against Green Bay. And he said, Dad, can I come? I'm like, oh, Braden, that would be amazing. And Braden came down and he just was thrilled. We were driving home. He goes, you know, dad, it really is very similar. It's like, there's a, there's a backstage. There's a, there's a uh, media kind of around it. There's, and then there's just art. It's just, you know, this is unscripted. Mine is more scripted, but it's, it's the same. And so that has really brought us close as he's now realized that dad and I essentially do the same thing. And I thought that was super fun. You were part of a performance. He's a part of a performance. Play your role. Both leading actors in your own performances, right? Play your role. Exactly. That's what I told him. I said, isn't it interesting, Braden, that you carry shows? Like in high school, he did the same thing. Three Led three performances. And you're somebody who can carry the lead. Like there's that's a certain role. And in many ways, that's, that's the quarterback, you know? And that stuff just really has resonated with him. As he's out now trying to find work, and he says, like, uh, and I've said to him, I think it's harder to find work on Broadway than it is to find a head uh, uh, starting quarterback job in the NFL. Like, I'm not sure which one's more more difficult. <laughs> what about your son in New York? So that no, that's Braden in, in, in that's New York. That's Braden. And then, and then Jackson is just now he's at Woodbury College uh, in LA. He wants to be in the. He's he's also a, a budding performer on online. Like he has his own channel. He's a he is a comedian. When we hear him upstairs, wow. oh, he's funny when he gets going, and he's just got a sophist- He's always had a sophisticated sense of humor, and so he wants to be a writer or you know, uh, and make money, you know, make a living, kind of in the uh, uh, online, either in 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 story in story building. I mean, I think he he's his college professor says he's 
he should be a, a children's uh, writer. He's like kind of uncanny talent in it. And so I don't know where he'll end up, but he's down there and he, there's a part of him that still wants to get on stage himself, not necessarily music theater, because I don't think he can sing like his brother, but I think there's a part of him that wants to perform as well. So he's got the bug and we'll see how it goes. He's down in school in, in, in LA. Does who you are help either of your sons in any kind of way or their own, their own universe? Well, I, 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 you know, it was like my, my brother, Tom, uh, was going to med school, uh, and was going to small DOs, uh, uh, osteopathic, uh, medicine school and kind of off the beaten path. And I, I, I was on the Stanford hospital board and they were looking for kind of unique, talented, uh, people from non-traditional kind of med school uh, environments. I said, well, my brother Tom is down there and he's doing this. And they, inter they interviewed him and they're like, oh my gosh, we love this guy. And he would be fit perfect. And so he came up and did a rotation at Stanford. And I've told that story to my brother, I mean, to my boys, because look, I had an association that might've put a crack in the door. But right. when they interviewed Tom, Tom opened the door, Tom walked through the door and then Tom use that rotation to go lead a rotation in Michigan was the, I mean, at Yale was the head resident at Yale off of this opening of a door. And so I told my boys, there might be some cracks in the door that I can, you know, can give an opportunity, but you're going to have to walk through them and you're going to be the reason. Don't ever kid yourself that there's some kind of favoritism or anything else because that no one, no one does that in, in, in the big world. Like you got to go make your way, make the associations and, and, and do that. So I, I look, I, have I been able to crack many doors? No, I but I think they understand that if, if there's a, if there's an association that dad might have that, that, that doesn't mean anything because all that does is let me, let them see me and who I am and who I can be and see if, uh, see if I can make a way for myself. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Adam today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Adam. Let's go back to the leading performers and bring it back to football. Give me your assessment of the 49ers quarterback who has a lot of supporters, Steve, but also his detractors for things he can't do, which is baffling to me. I'm a huge Brock Purdy fan, but there are a lot of people out there who question and criticize him. Where do you stand on him and what is your assessment well, of where he's at? I've said many times Brock has the force. And if you love the Star, the Star Wars, you know what I'm talking about. And you know, like Luke Skywalker, like it's something he has that you can't explain. And what it is in, in football terms is the ability to get a football play, have studied and memorized every aspect of it, all the in all of the tendencies of the defense you're now going to play, and then can run that play and literally 
get the most out of it and figure out and decipher through the play who's going to be the one that should get the ball. You know, like Indiana Jones, go through the mystery of the four sections of two and a half seconds that you have to decide and then find that person that's actually going to should have the ball and then deliver it to them and then do it over and over and over again to where, you know, you're unstoppable. And uh, historically, there have been players like these efficiency aficionados, I'll call them, who just, you know, and they're guys that that lead the league in efficiency, that that take the play out of the huddle and get every last inch of it. And Brock does have the ability to extend a play. You've seen him do that. It's not like he can't do it. And so he has that ability. But what he has the superpower is that he has the most innovative mind in football in, in Kyle Shanahan. He has all this talent around him. Give me the play. And in those two, two seconds, I'm going to Indiana Jones through it, and I'll know where to go, and they're going to get the football. And he's done it over and over again. And that's tough to beat, as you've seen. Now, last week, it opened the door for, okay, wait a second. He was the last guy drafted in the, in the, in the last round because he wasn't that fast. He didn't have that strong of an arm. He wasn't that tall. And all the guys that are now playing are super fast, super tall, you know, these big, you know, bigger than life athletes. And, uh, and so then they say, well, you know, what's, and I will say, you know, that game the other night was scary, scary in a lot of ways, scary that the, is it weather if all, cause you remember there's a couple times Brock was literally wiping his hand yeah. as he's dropping back. And you're like, you what you know and is this is this a kryptonite that we got to keep an eye out for that something like somehow the rain is going to cause all kind of grief um when you are in efficiency when you're driven by efficiency you're not superman where you can go out there and just you know spin out uh uh stiff arm two de uh, defensive linemen get out the edge and they'll throw it across your body 60 yards to a streaking, you know, those are the, that if you can't do that, then you've got to continue to be efficient and you've got to find that efficiency in the game. And when it, when it disappeared, I think it was a shock and a revelation that you would say, is this, could this happen? Could we go through a whole game? And this mm. is like, and then the last drive is like, no, 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 everybody chill, relax. All is well, you know, all is well. And I think that, there's going to be things about Brock that are not Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Lamar Jackson, and Joe Burrow. They're just, it's just a different, a different group of guys. Um, but he doesn't, I've said this from the beginning, let Brock cook, let him get them, get him to play, get it to him as, you know, Kyle, get it to him as fast as you can, because this dude is going to decipher and figure out and, uh, you know, unlock and find the, uh, the, the, Ark of the Covenant, the 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 whatever the Indiana Jones has been looking for, he'll figure it out. And so so far that's that has worked. There are what the detractors are going to say, Adam, is he doesn't have all those incredible abilities that we're looking for from the kill the killer, the kings. And that's just okay, he's gonna have to do it in a more efficient way. I actually believe that's gonna be harder in today's game. It's so wide open, it's so college-like. The guys like Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, they're going to fight each other for the Super Bowl every year. That's why I said three years ago. It's what's happened. And so Brock Purdy's the anomaly of today's game, as is Kirk Cousins and other efficiency aficionados. And they're going to have to do it with a few more throws, uh, a couple more laps, and uh, and a little bit more help, but they can get it done. Let me say this. There, 
you you always make me think in a way that nobody else does. You always have answers that nobody else does. It's one of the reasons that I love talking to you. And you said so many things there that triggered questions in my mind. But the last thing you said was about Josh Allen and competing against these guys. You are famous for that quote of getting the monkey off your back. What is it going to take for Josh Allen to get the monkey off his back? And do you see that day coming at some point? Or is this Uh where he's destined to compete, where he's against Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow, and it's going to be very hard for him to get to where you got? I will say that the unfortunate part of what Josh Allen faces is that he's playing football. And football, even when you're Superman, Superman needs help. And you need enough help to go get it done. And I've always, I've said for the last three years, they have a good team, but he needs more help around him because they ask him to be Superman too much. Patrick Mahomes has figured out a way to like Brock Purdy or like those efficiency guys that I talk about, give me the play. I'll get the most out of it. And then I'll put the cape on. But you notice the bills suddenly things get crazy. And then he, he puts the cape on before the play's even finished. Yeah. Like, I don't know. You know, I, I I don't forget about this Indiana Jones thing. I'm putting the Superman cape on and I'm going. And the, you do that over. That was Patrick Mahomes' problem early in his career. He put the cape on too often. And then you just can't, you cannot keep it up. You can't make enough plays. You can't, you need to be able to call the play in the huddle and have a running game and have people that can, and then, and, and, and he needs to more just drop the ball. Look at that last drive. And uh, I, I think Tony mentioned it on the on the telecast. It's like, look, there's people open underneath. Just drop it to them. Get the get the get in people's hands. Make the make make it an efficiency game as well. Make mm-hmm. it a Superman and efficiency. That's when you. That's the superpower. And I think that in many ways, J- Josh is a Josh is, you know, you, look, it's Patrick, it's Josh. Now it's Lamar. Lamar was. I said, you remember on, on the camera, I said, I know. damned with what they're doing in Baltimore. He cannot get into this group. Now I say he's absolutely in this group, might be the leader of this group. And Joe Burrow and, and Herbert could join if he got the right coaching and the right help. Those are the super, those are the supermen of, uh, of today's game. Jalen Hurts gets, obviously they got to get righted. He can be that Superman. Now Jordan Love looks to me like there might be six guys that are supermen in the league who will We'll just trade being Super Bowl champions over the next 10 years. You put Jordan Love in that category, Steve? I'm saying he's starting to give me that sign. Like even the game the other night, he he was, <laughs> oh, the, the Packers just have to be dying like the Bills, right? It's like, they had that game. You've they got to game. be kidding me. All we needed was a more sophisticated quarterback to recognize where we were and then go button it up, like go – Go seal it up, zip it up, and be done. Because that game was ready to be zipped up and done. And and Jordan will tell you, he was even quoted after the game, like, I, I was dumb. That was like a rookie. It was like, but everything else about his game the last few weeks and the last month tells me, it's like just the eyeball test. He's that guy. Like, I'll stand in there. I'll stiff armor defensive lineman. I'll spin out. I, I can throw it all over the field. Now you have an innovative mind and and in LaFleur who can come up with the cool stuff that that he can take advantage of it feels like he is he's going to join that group it does feel like that with some more experience you brought up Lamar plenty of times in the past you saw this coming so what do you see from Lamar today as he gets ready to win his second MVP I see a more sophisticated passer because the the systemic the rooted change that I hope I suspect the owner and the general manager and the head coach 
and they switched their offensive coordinators. And that's nothing against Greg Roman. Greg Roman developed the most sophisticated running game in the history of the game. I, you should applaud him and tell him that's the most amazing thing you've ever seen, but it could not take you to the Super Bowl. So they decided, you know what? Let's join the club. Let's get some talent at wide receiver. Let's not try to maul the rank and file teams, but the running game and a bully defense. Let's change. Let's become a more expansive, sophisticated throwing throwers of the football. And let's have Lamar lead us. And early in the game, early in the season, you remember Lamar was in the pocket and you're like, everyone's like, Lamar, go. And Lamar's like, no, I'm going to take, he even got sacked. They even lost a couple of games while he was trying to sit there and trying to figure out how to get Indiana Jones, right? How I'm going to get the ball out of my hand. How am I going to, and so you watch that evolution and classic Lamar Jackson, he does it 10 times faster. The development happens way faster than anybody else because he is freaking Superman. And yep. do not tell me that there's something that Lamar Jackson cannot do. That's what I would like. I was on the show with you. I was like, quit damning this man. He is not, he can do anything. He can be the greatest that ever played. And now he's on that course where uh, with more sophisticated passing game and development that is going on with him, that now they're, now they're going to the championship game. First time they've been at home in the championship game uh, in their history. Uh, and they're doing things that are unheard of. Because I think they unlocked the potential of, of the Superman of, of Lamar Jackson. And so now you thought the 49ers this side, obviously the, the big game against the Lions. But if it ends up being like a rematch of the Christmas Day game uh, with the Ravens and the 49ers, the 49ers are so, I mean, it's once in a generation that you can, in free agency, that you can somehow figure out a way to collect this kind of talent and afford it. And, and it is once in a generation, who the people they put together, the 49ers, and going up against this. I mean, they, they bullied him on Christmas Day. It'll be a heck of a matchup if that's where it goes. You know, if it ends if up that's being Lions Chiefs, if it's Lions Chiefs, you know, that's fine too. But, uh, you know, I think odds are the home teams end up in the Super Bowl. If it's Lions Chiefs, the season would end exactly the way that it started, which would be interesting. We saw the Lions and Chiefs on opening night. We'd see that's the right. Lions Amazing. and Chiefs in the Super Bowl, but both teams have to win on the road. And we're in a weekend in the conference championship weekend, Steve, where basically Mahomes has proven everything has a chance to go down as maybe the greatest. And Lamar still has something to prove. Brock Purdy still has something to prove. Jerry Goff still has something to prove. There are three quarterbacks that have something really big to prove. Significant to prove, yeah. yeah. And one guy that's proven everything already, and now we see how the chips fall amongst these four quarterbacks this weekend. Well, and then on the NFC side, you know, all these Superman guys I talk about are on the AFC except for Jalen and Jordan, who are kind of emerging. So, you know, I said three years ago, again, with you uh, together, that the next 10 years, and now we're three years into it, we're just going to trade between Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, and Patrick Mahomes. They're just going to fight amongst each other. Who's going to win the Super Bowl? Because the game had changed. They've changed the rules. It's more wide open. And these yeah. guys are the ones that are going to win Super Bowls. That's just, they're, they're, that, they're that good. And that that's how you, in championship football, it comes down to the last couple of possessions. And those guys that can do that are the ones that are going to win, except for if you get these, these, these efficiency, these, these classic efficiency guys, Jared Goff is an efficiency guy, you know, Brock Purdy's an efficiency guy. They can take teams to the, it's less likely, I believe yeah. in today's game. But if you're super good, if you're, if that's your superpower, like for Brock Purdy, you can't take them the distance. It takes a little longer. It's a little bit, you know, you have to go a couple extra laps to do it, but you can get it done. 
I don't know how much attention you pay to the young guys who play the position, the guys who are coming to the draft, the Caleb Williams and Drake Mays and Jaden Daniels of the world, guys who are in the college ranks. Is there anybody who you look at and identify as somebody who's capable of joining this superhero quarterback group that you're referring to? Well, I can tell you this, Adam, that the colleges are used to be that playing in the pros was so significantly different than playing in college. That it was hard to really know who could, who could transition. It was a, it was a crapshoot, you know, you, you draft and it's still a little bit of a crapshoot, but I think that the game is more college like than it's ever been. And so you can see these, these super supermen of college and you start to get a sense of who, you know, and all of them are going to guys that can move around and stiff arm defensive linemen and throw it all over the field. And so there is a, an element of it that is still, you know, the force, you still need this, the, the, the star Wars for Like you still have to have that, that unique part of you. And, and, and you college doesn't prove that out. All those guys you just named do not know if they're going to be great in the pros. They themselves don't know. There will be a revelatory part of their, their, their coming out as they come into the league. And so it's impossible to say, but do they have the DNA? Now, uh, Michael Penix is a unique ch challenge because I don't think he has the, the, the dynamic ability to get out and you know, kind of like you like the truth is Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, and even Joe Burrow, if he really wants to, can get out there and spit out 50, 60 yards rushing if they need it with three first downs and a touchdown mm -hmm. in the biggest game of the year. And and so to me, that's the quality you that's the extra quality you have to have is that you, if needed, you can go out there and get all those free yards that are that are there for the quarterback. And uh um, and those, you know, those triple threats, they're all coming out of college now. It is the prototype. My, I used heard me say this before, you know, I watched the game today, 20 years later, and it's my, it's like, wait, I'm not the, these guys are not the oddity anymore. They are, you know, CJ Stroud. I should have mentioned him. I mean, he's going to oh be a Superman, oh right? My, so oh. these guys that can spit out 50, 60 yards rushing just because it's, you know, it's there and still can go throw it all over the field. That is the prototype, and I really resonate with today's game. And I, you heard me say this many times. Oh, please let me play today, please. Yeah, you would have killed it today, Steve. You would have killed it. It's the game that I dreamed would look like, and it took some rule changes to make it happen. But it's, um, uh, you know, it's fun to watch. It really is fun to watch. At the opposite end of the spectrum, a former Brigham Young quarterback like yourself, Zach Wilson, can he turn it around? Zach is. I mean, he's. You've seen the talent. And, and, and you, you want to say to yourself, he is that guy that has all of that talent to be able to do all of that, that I've just described. And that's why he was drafted where he was. You never know exactly. I do. I put it on Zach that he had many chances to iterate and continue to struggle. But I also know that there are places where in football, like I told you from the very beginning, you need help and, and he, he needs and, and sometimes it's that innovative mind that clicks with you. And so if he can, my theory is there are a handful, seven, eight innovative minds in the league today that if you said, Steve, you can now go back in time and you can go pick a team and you can go play for them right now. Who would you go play for? It would be one of these six or seven. I would run down to Santa Clara, number one, right? With the talent and then oh, and, yeah. and Kyle calling plays. There's no one better. There's not, but you know, Sean McVay in Kansas City, Miami, uh, Minnesota, Green Bay, um, Philadelphia, you know, maybe it looks like Monken and, and, you know, there's these innovative minds that take advantage of the rule changes. And so you, you need, he needs to get to one of those spots. He needs to join forces 
if we're going to see anything out of Zach Wilson into the future, he, he needs to get away from these places that are not quarterback friendly, that are not. And you, you people say, what are you talking about, Steve? Everybody like, no, there are 20 teams that I would be like a hard no. Hmm. I am not going there for whatever particular purpose. I am. If you gave me the choice, there's 20 teams I'm not even interested in. There might be five that I'm like semi-interested in. There's seven that like, yes, any one of them get me there now. And he needs to find that's the challenge, Adam. Like, it's one in five chances that you get to a team that can actually get the full measure of yourself. He needs to find that space. He needs to get there. I don't care. Like to me, the place he needs to be is in LA. Go with Sean McVay, follow Stafford and just sit there and watch the magic. And then you see if you can pick it up. And if you can, then you can be one of the, one of the best, but because you have the talent for it, but he's got to get to one of those spots. Before I let you go, will you be in attendance on Sunday night with your girls again, or are we bypassing the NFC Championship game? What's the plan? My, I tell you what, my girls, they are focused, man. They asked me that same question, and I was like, honey, I don't know. I mean, I might, I might want to watch with mom, you know, but I might, I might send you down there. That, I have a feeling that the girls will be there. Absolutely. I think they, have, I think they might be. Yeah, I can see that happening. And what about dad? Is dad going to be there? Are you going to be there or not? Well, no, I, I think I, – well, look, you know what? I'm – you know, why – if, if Barb wants to come, maybe we get down there. But if she doesn't, I might just curl up on the uh, – with the main TV. We might have the main TV in the fireplace all to ourselves. It might be great. Well, let me say this to you. If the Niners happen to win on Sunday night, we'll see. And if you happen to go to the Super Bowl, I want to watch the game with you. <laughs> yeah. I'm just telling you right now. Okay? You let me know if you're going to be there. I want to watch the game around you that day. Because cool. Cool. I'm, I'll be there with my daughter who's doing the sidelines that day. So we are two peas in a pod, my brother. Okay. I love talking to you. We're talking for the world here today, but I don't care. The truth is I want people to know this. If he and I were just not, if we were just chatting, this is exactly how we would be. We just like, I, I'm fascinated with how you see the world, how you see the game, how you look at it from your own unique perspective. Every time I'm with you, I learn a little bit and uh, I miss it. And I, I, if you tell me that you want to be with me, I'm like, yes, that's a hard yes. Every time I'm with you, I, <laughs> Adam Schefter wants to hang out with me. That's a That's hard That's how I yes. feel about you. And I will say beyond the Super Bowl, if the Niners go, please, if you're coming to New York on the East Coast, please let me know. You okay? It, I love you. I appreciate you doing this. Thank you very much, Steve. We'll see you soon for sure. Steve Young thinks about so many things in a different way than so many people I know. And so much of what he said I identified with, with his daughter's, taking a liking to football and being involved with this year. I've gotten to watch football with my daughter. It has brought us together in a certain way. Again, I'm proud to say that she'll be doing the sidelines for Nickelodeon during the Super Bowl. As I pointed out here, the first Schefter ever to actually work a Super Bowl game. And it's going to be awesome. In fact, <laughs> and I haven't shared this, but on media night, she will cover media night for Nickelodeon. And they have her set up in a room to interview some of the stars of the game. They're going to bring some of the stars, whoever goes, into her. Daniel, I've never, in all my years at the Super Bowl, had a room set up for me where they're going to bring players in to come talk with me. But my daughter at age 15 will now have this. And I'm her spotter, basically. So I will be exposed to her world <laughs> of bringing in the players and Whoever makes it, whether it's Lamar Jackson or Christian McCaffrey or Jared Goff or Patrick Mahomes, whatever it is, we'll get the chance to say hello to some of the guys that Monday night because my daughter 
has the interviews for Nickelodeon. So th that's going to be. How Very did that cool. happen? How did Dylan get the Dylan Schefter car wash set up? And Adam Schefter has never had that one. That's a classic ESPN thing that we do. Well, we don't broadcast the game. So we're well, not a broadcast partner. Not yet, and, my friend. Not and, yet. And CBS is doing the game, and Nickelodeon is the sister station. So Nickelodeon and CBS both broadcast in the Super Bowl. So they are the broadcaster of the game, and therefore they are afforded certain privileges. My daughter is a part of that broadcast team this year having worked with Nickelodeon the last three years. And so because of all that, uh, I am I am walking in her shadows, riding her coattails. That's right. Yeah. And being her spotter for this week. And we'll talk more about that on the podcast next Sam, week. Can but... you get me a sandwich? I need a new drink. I I'm low on soda. What, whatever you need. Whatever you need. And by the way, like I'm taking her out Sunday. My work for ESPN doesn't begin until Wednesday or Thursday. So literally my Sunday, Monday, Tuesday are – Done her. Not, nothing that, other than taking her around wherever she needs to go. Like, I am the ultimate carpool parent, the ultimate, like, broadcast dad that night while we're those few days. Uh, That's while, amazing. While we're in Vegas. All right. This past week, Daniel, I'm sure you heard Sports Illustrated making the announcement, laying off a ton of its employees. Certainly sounds like yeah. the end of the publication. It's been yeah. moving that way for quite some time. No secret to anybody who's paid attention. But I did want to say this. There was nothing. Nothing in my childhood that meant any more to me than going to the mailbox every Thursday, getting my Sports Illustrated, reading it from front to back, reading some of the unbelievable writers who wrote there. Frank DeFord, William Knack, Rick Riley, Gary Smith, Tom Verducci, Peter King was there. When I was out in Denver, Peter King was the NFL columnist, and he would have what you call stringers. He'd have a correspondent in each city when peter king asked me to be his stringer in denver covering the broncos for sports illustrated I, I would be so jacked up and so motivated to get him the best broncos notes and if any of my information ever made it into his column in sports illustrated it was the thrill of a lifetime and my childhood bedroom was decked out wall to wall with all the Sports Illustrated covers, Bernard King and The Miracle on Ice and Reggie Jackson and Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, every cover hung in my room. That's what my walls were covered with, Sports Illustrated covers. That was the magazine I grew up reading. That was the day of the week, Thursday, that I looked forward to solely for the reason that Sports Illustrated was coming in my mailbox and I would get to read about my favorite athletes and favorite coaches and favorite figures in sports. And it was so good. It was so unbelievable. It was when it was at its peak, as good as anything that we've ever seen in the media. Maybe it was just the age I was at, but to see the notice that this publication is dying, if not dead, that so many great people are going to be out of work, that something that held such a prominent spot in my heart it was sad. It really it was like it was like the death of a childhood friend. That's what it was. It was the did death that, of a childhood friend. Did that have a really big impact and you wanting to grow up to be a journalist? I mean, the way that you talk about reading Sports Illustrated and how it impacted you, was that a part of like the early Adam Schefter maybe wants to get into this, even if you didn't realize it at the time? Daniel, that was so far above anything I ever could have imagined for myself. You just like reading the magazines because they're amazing and fun. I never 
would have imagined, like you could go make your living doing this. Like, and by the way, when I was in college and even when I got out of college, I must have sent a half dozen resumes and applications at the Sports Illustrated and never could get a sniff. They were always very hoity-toity, Ivy League-oriented. You had to have some kind of great education to wind up there better than you. Like, that's how they were in their letters. And anytime you apply, if they even replied at all, like, I couldn't get a sniff. And that's why when Peter King, you know, hired me as a correspondent, they pay me $50 a week to send them Broncos notes. That was my way to contribute to something that meant so much to me. And like I said, it's like a death. It held a incredibly prominent part in my life. And I'm sad to see it go. I'm sad for all the people there who worked there, some great people, some great writers. Michael Rosenberg, who was a writer there, who wrote my book with me, uh, helped me do that, is as talented as any writer I know right now. And he's incredible at what he does. And I feel for him and all the people there, the great people that lost their work. But honestly, I loved, loved, loved Sports Illustrated as a kid. And just just not the same. My favorite, my favorite cover was the you didn't mention it on the when you're talking about the ones on your walls was Bill Lambeer where it says what foul. Yeah, yeah. I I I Daniel had them all, read them all, devoured them from front to back. When I used to travel back and like that was I'd bring my sports illustrated, I'd read every word of every article, no matter how interested I was or wasn't. Huge part of my childhood. So there is the uh, death of a of a great friend. And again, yeah. we thank Sports Illustrated for all the great work, all the people who made it, the great publication it once was. Tremendous. And we say was because it was back in its day, just all world. All right. Want to thank my all world friend, Steve Young, for giving us time today. Love talking with Steve Young and wish I could do it more often. And hopefully he and I will have a chance to get together. And if the 49ers go to the Super Bowl, he, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to badger him to get together and uh, have dinner. Maybe, maybe uh, uh, Dylan will be able to, you know, uh, grace both of us with her company There you here go. at the Super Bowl. I want to thank you, Daniel Dock, for leading another great six pack and quarterback in this podcast, the producers, Christina Buswell, Sarah Abbott. I want to thank you, the listener for tuning into this podcast. And when we tape it again next week, we will know the two teams in Super Bowl 58, in this very spot next week. Until then, enjoy the conference championship games. Have a great week, and we'll see you back in this spot next week.